Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Good everybody. Welcome into a brand new episode of Crossed Up. Anthony Sanfilippo's here. I'm Bob Wankel. And apologies off the top. We get Mets Phillies. We get an all-time implosion by the Mets on Sunday. And everyone's looking to, to hear us come on and, and kind of point and laugh and gloat and LOL Mets and all that stuff. And then I'm out of town for a couple days, so we don't do it. You don't you don't get that reaction podcast. And Anthony and I were talking before the show. We're saying, you know, it's kind of a shame. People were probably pretty amped up to to talk a little Phillies baseball on Monday morning, especially after that series. And instead, we're going to do it on a Wednesday after a good Phillies win against a mediocre at best Cubs team. And it was a game that didn't have a lot of juice to it, but we're here for the people, and we will record Friday as well. We told everyone at the start of this we were giving the people two podcasts per week, and we are sticking to our word. So, Anthony, what's going on, man? How are we feeling on a Wednesday here? Yeah, feeling feeling good, Bob. I'll, I'll tell you, it was a funny thing is, you know, um, I had a lot of big Flyers news over the weekend, and so I got called to do uh, two TV stations locally. Um, I did Fox and I did CBS. Fox was entirely hockey. But CBS, I and I assumed the entire conversation was going to be about the Flyers. And then I get on there and they spent the majority of the time talking about the Phillies. And I was completely like unprepared for Phillies conversation. I was totally in the hockey mindset. So I at least was able to get out some of that whole, uh, you know, uh, disbelief about how they won the game, do the little LOL Mets thing. I was still able to get a little bit of that. So I. I was able to get it out of my system a bit. So I, I feel okay about it. The fact that we're here two days later than usual. Well, I don't want to spend too much time talking about that Met series, but I, I think where, where I'm at this morning, and, and this is probably the approach and the lead in to go with this. Isn't it amazing that the Phillies have had this, this month of June that has overall been, it's been overwhelmingly successful. Yeah. They obviously had the stumble against the Braves last week, but they they rebound and they've won three of their last four, two out of three against the Mets. They get the opener against the Cubs. And I, I don't I don't know if it's just me. I don't know if if it's being overly critical, but I don't I don't feel awesome about where they're at right now. I what I do feel awesome about is Ranger Suarez. And I feel I feel really good about where this starting rotation is. And and I can take that knowledge and project it forward and say, this is why they're going to remain in the race. This is why I like the Phillies. There are clear strengths on this team. But I think, Anthony, what I keep coming back to is this team cannot hit. They can't hit. And, and I know they're winning games. I know that when you look at their overall numbers against the rest of baseball this month, there's a, a lot of a lot of different rankings where they slot in like eight to 12 across the sport. So it's not like it's been dismal, but I just, I don't know, man. Like I'm just a little bit like underwhelmed right now. And I think I might be crazy. (laughs) Well, um, yeah, you're not crazy and you, you, you should be underwhelmed. The offense has not been impressive, although it was nice to see a couple things last night that we'll, we'll kind of dive into. Brandon Marsh is really kind of, course corrected and Trey Turner seems to kind of be slowly coming out of it right I mean I think that there's there's something there um but you're right I mean there's there the offense is not what it needs to be and we've given it I think we've given it enough time for guys to uh you know overcome slow starts and and, and the like uh but there are real concerns but with that said and this is something that I've I've been saying now all weekend if you get good pitching, good pitching is going to always hide a, a struggling lineup. You're in a game. 
every game. The pitching is keeping you in every game. I mean, the that you've had this month, other than the Dodgers game that that was the whole Nola thing with the the blow up seventh inning with mm-hmm. you know the they wouldn't let him throw the ball out. Other than that, they've been they've either won or the games that they've lost, they've been in every game. Yeah. And so that just goes to show you like what good pitching means. They have not hit and yet they're in every game where they win every or they're winning. Yeah. I mean, Zach Wheeler's start on on Sunday is arguably their worst start of the month by by one of the main four guys. I mean, he yeah. was he wasn't very good. And you, you said it. They're going to be in every game. They've been in every game here recently. We talked about the numbers. Like you look at this staff in the month of of June, the starting rotation opponents hitting 196 against the entire starting staff. They have a whip under one collectively. It's it's June 28th. This isn't a week. It's not four games. It's not one series against the Tigers. It's been a month of just unbelievable starting pitching. And it's been such a 180 considering how concerned we've been about this rotation at different points. So, yes. They're they're not getting the offense that we expect. I don't think that they need to get the offense that we expect in order to be in it, to contend, to be in the mix. But I think what I look at, especially over these last four games, you have the, the stumble against the Braves, you don't hit at all. But then you win a series against the Mets, which is what I asked them to do. I said, just win the series against the Mets. Just beat the Mets. And you come back and you get the opener last night, but it's the same thing. Like you go back to Friday night, they're aided by the fact that the Mets can't catch a pop-up. They don't hit on Saturday. They had numerous chances to to get the Scherzer in that start on Saturday. They didn't do it. Sunday, admittedly, I, I was not dialed into that game the way that I typically would be. But I just go back and I look at the eighth inning, the the implosion inning by the Mets. The Phillies score four runs in that inning. They were 0 for 4 with runners in scoring position. <laughs> That's almost impossible. It's almost impossible to do that. <laughs> but it is a representation of what is going on with this team. And even last night, Brandon Marsh, nice game. I know that they get the, the first run right off the bat. They didn't even break into the coverage in time to, to get Schwarber's starting the game. You know, and then Turner singles one nothing. Boom. Great. Awesome. Tone setting. But they had opportunities last night to break that game open and you're just waiting to see that. And they just don't consistently distance themselves offensively. And you just look at each individual player down the lineup. Like I I was listening on Saturday before the game, Seltzer and Fritz were on doing the pregame and they were talking about this lineup and just the lack of home run punch. And it's something you and I have talked about extensively on the show as well. And they went to break and I said, Here's a stat that I looked up. I texted it to you earlier in the day. Kyle Schwarber, as of Saturday, was on pace for 43 home runs this season. Phillies didn't have one other player in the lineup on pace for 20 home runs. They still don't. The Phillies don't have one other player besides Mm -hmm. Kyle Schwarber on pace to hit 20 home runs this season. And I texted it into Fritz, and he read it on the radio. I said, like, that is – not only is that crazy for most teams to say we only have one guy that's on pace to hit 20 plus home runs, but for this team to be that team, it's it's mind-boggling. It's baffling. Yeah. I guess I guess Castellanos is getting close. He's close, but he was like so as of Saturday, I know he ended up hitting one Saturday, but yeah. he was only on pace for 17. So yeah. I mean, like it's and well, I mean he's got he's got there. nine. And the team's played 78 games. Yeah, so he's, I think he's pacing 18 at his... Yeah, he's yeah. close. I mean, he could get there, right? He I could mean, get there. I would probably bet on him to do it. But, yeah, you know, Real Muto's the next closest. Marsh is in the mix now, like after last night. Yeah, I mean, yeah Turner, <laughs> Turner, Turner and Real Muto have eight. It's not that and they then, don't have guys that, that, yeah. Yeah, that can do it. It's just that they're not they're not on pace currently. Yeah. And, and that's that's what's wild. And I know it's kind of funny to say this after this month of June where they've gone from being seven games under to four games over they're at the high we're recording this show at their high watermark of the season yeah. they have Aaron Nola on the mound tonight going up against Drew Smiley he's been pretty good for the Cubs in a game left-hander. that they're favored like left-hander yeah left-hander and and we know the deal there <laughs> but like they are favored to go five games over 500 tonight which will be the best they've sat all season so I don't I don't want to come in here and be all doom and gloom but I'm left wanting more. I, I really am. And I keep waiting for this offense. I keep waiting. I keep waiting. I keep waiting. 
and I do know that there are certain numbers that you can point to that you feel good about, but it all comes back to this runners and scoring position thing. And I don't want to belabor the point, man. And I know I've, I'm talking a lot here, but you know, I tweeted this out after Sunday's game. Like, they have a 673 OPS with runners in scoring position this season. It's 28th in baseball. They have the 25th best average, the 29th best slugging percentage, the second worst slugging percentage with runners in scoring position in baseball. I mean, come on, man. What yeah, yeah, and it's. I mean, I think it's a problem too, Bob. I'm not going to try and defend it because I, I do think it's. This is something that the players really need to to fix. The only thing that I can kind of look at and say maybe it's it, it's part of it is they know that their offense is underwhelming, okay, and so they get those opportunities, and in those individual opportunities you have a situation where it's like, okay, I got to be the guy to get us out of this in this moment. And it's not going to, and it's a, it's the thing where even if you get a hit, you, that doesn't mean, okay, we're all out of this funk, right? right? It, it, you know, it's going to be need, need to be a collective and they still need to take a smart approach at the plate, which they're not, which they're not doing. And I think that that's, that's what, what it is. It's not that they suddenly don't know how to hit. It's not like they suddenly aren't clutch players I think that it's they recognize that they've, you know, spent the first three months of this season not being as good as they need to be. And then when they have the opportunities to drive them in, I think they putting they're putting added pressure on themselves because look at them when they're not when they don't have runners in scoring position. They're actually offense is, is pretty decent. I mean, it's not it's not great, but it's not it's, you know, top half of the league. Right. I mean, so you, let me I'm, ask you this, then you're probably looking that up right now. I, I, I can see. No, no, face. I'm not. I'm looking something else up. But <laughs> let me let me ask you this. That's fine and, and reasonable. It's also been half a season, though. Oh, you're right. And, and so if that is the case, then whose fault is it that they can't seem to collectively get over that mental hurdle? It's it's their it's them individually. I mean, I know you want to kind of we want to sit there and let's look at the batting coach, right? Kevin no, I, I'm I'm a big I I think you know me well enough that I yeah. I am not like a the hitting coach is at yeah. fault. I, I'm a, I'm a it's on yeah. the players. It's on the but, players. But but someone has to like for the lack of a better term sack up at some point and and so and carry the load. Yeah. So what I think where I where I go where I will look at coaching is I think that this team has too long of a leash sometimes. And, and I think these are some of those instances where, you know, and, and this starts with the manager and, and probably, you know, rifles down through the coaching staff, specifically K long and, and Caleb Cotham in the sense that, you know, they're like, yeah, yeah these guys, we know our guys, they're going to get it. They're going to figure it out, give them time. They'll get it. And I think that that, that kind of, mentality is good to a point but sometimes it can let the it could let the leash get too loose right and then all of a sudden the dog's off the chain and now you're chasing it and now that's i think what sometimes can happen and i think the phillies lineup is in that position bob where they got off the chain and they are chasing it a little bit okay so uh, you know every once in a while it wouldn't be the worst thing in the world to have a little bit of an accountability type moment you know, whether it's, hey, we're going to give this guy an extra day off or, hey, we're going to sit so-and-so for two straight games, you know, and really kind of let the, oh, and then it becomes the player goes, oh, shit, I guess I got to get it right, you know, and then, like, I think, and this is a good, I think, way to transition to Brandon Marsh, and I think that they did this last week, and I'll give Rob Thompson credit for this. We asked about this. I, You know, I was the one who, who was having a whole conversation with him about Christian Pache now that he's back potentially playing more. And he said it's going to be a platoon, you know, and he's the one who told me Pache needs to play more in center field because of how good he is defensively. Since that moment, Brandon Marsh has gone off. He's had, what, five multi-hit games in his last six six outings. He hits two home runs last night. The guy's just, like, on fire all of a sudden. And it's like maybe that was it. Maybe he had the fire lit under his ass because 
there was competition coming, and that's what you need. That was an accountability moment for Brandon Marsh. You know how I said I was looking something up. That's exactly what I was looking up. What has Brandon Marsh done since Anthony Sanfilippo suggested that he's a platoon player? <laughs> uh, and in six games, here you go, 20 at-bats. He's 12 for his last 20, five extra base hits, three doubles, two homers. He's hitting 600 with a, with a 1.686 OPS since the start of the Brave series. Um, and he has responded to a little competition and, and you can see it too. Yeah. Like he, he, he looks like a guy that has a little bit of a fire under his ass right now. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, he, he kind of, oh yeah, you want to platoon me? You know, yeah. like, I don't know if he's, he hasn't really come out and said that specifically, but you know, he has a little bit of that in him and you see it right now. And it's, it's been, it's been nice. It's been refreshing to watch a player respond to a little bit of adversity. Um, uh, because we talk about this all the time. Well, does the pressure get to them? Does the contract get to them? Does their, does their future, does their well-being, where are they at mentally? And, and these are all real things. Like these aren't mm -hmm. things to just swipe away or dismiss, but to see a player be challenged a little bit publicly and then do this is, has been great to see. Yes. Thousand percent. And, and that's the, uh, and that's good. I mean, and that's, and you know, I, I wish other guys would have that same kind of mentality, but I mean, Marsh has gone so off in the last six games that he's now the Phillies leading player of in war for yeah. the year. I mean, that's how, that's how, that's how good he's been. Does, does Brandon Marsh games. have that dog in him? He might, he might have a little bit of it. I, you know, I don't think it's, Look, he's still just 25 years old, right? I mean, sometimes you don't expect that, you know, to, to really have have that answer until a player gets into that sweet spot, you yeah. know, that 27 to 32 range, right? So he's still young, younger than you think, and he might have a little bit in it. But I mean, look, dude, for as much as he slumped for a good stretch of time, if you look at that slash line for the season, yeah. 283, 365, 469, 834 OPS. It's pretty damn good. It's pretty damn good. So we could criticize. We criticized him for a few weeks there, and deservedly so. He struck out 25 times in 49 plate appearances. It was ugly for a period. But you know what? The, the, the baseball card is the baseball card, and the guy's having a pretty good season. And then you take the defense, and this is a thing that we've talked about. Yeah. I watch him, and I – I, I say to myself, like, if you give me a word to describe him in center field, I'd say fine, solid, maybe solid is probably the word. Yeah. But then you dig a little bit deeper and this requires some stat cast metrics, which I know are sometimes hard to quantify in a digestible way, like mm -hmm. in a way that you can really say, oh, that makes sense to me. But you look at outs above average, popular stat cast metric, six outs above average. That's third best amongst all center fielders this season. Um, he's in the 95th percentile. Outfield jumps, 70th percentile. Pretty good. Slightly above average. Solidly above average. Arm strength, 81st percentile. Like he's, he's probably played a better center field, at least based on these numbers, than I – I recognize. I feel like there's some balls where I'm like, come on, man. Like, got to have a better jump on that. Got to have a better read on that. You go back to Saturday. I thought there were two baseballs that that he probably should bring in. The one, obviously, was Schwarber out in the alley. Uh, but, like, I, I just – he's been good. He, I think he's been better overall than, than I – not that I'm willing to admit or that I'm willing to give him credit for. I want him to be successful. I like him. I actually, I like his personality. I like his dynamic that he brings to this team. But you start to look across the board and say, this guy's having a really good year through, for, through one half of a regular season. He's been, yeah. he's been better than I expected him to be when they made the trade for him. I, I, I agree with you overall. Where I will pump the brakes on the defense is, and I know the metrics measure those things, but then you got to look at plays that he screws up, and I think he's I think he's screwed up more than a share the share of plays that you would want a center fielder to screw up. I right? I agree. Yeah, I agree. and so and so to me, that's where I I pump the brakes on him a little bit. I think he's fine in center field. He's certainly an upgrade over what they had out there a year ago before they acquired him at the trade deadline. Um, so th th there's definitely, I'm not trying to make it seem a complete negative with him, 
but he's also not, you know, gold glove in my mind. Well, and then if you want to go by another defensive metric, which again, these are all pretty, pretty tough to, to truly digest. If you go defensive run saved, he's at one defensive run saved this season, according to Fangrass, which is ninth uh, out of 17 qualified outfielders. So, or center fielders. And, and that feels a little bit more like where I would probably. I think that's fair. In yeah. my mind, if you said, where do you think he's at? I'd say eh, probably top 10, you know, yeah. but, middle, but it's middle of the pack. Middle if you're pack, saying that there's yeah. 17 qualified out center fielders, yeah. he's ninth. That's about right. He's not terrible, but he's also not the among the best. Yeah. So, and I think that that's, I think Fangraphs has got that one right. So. I guess we're we're sort of bearing the lead here. We talked a little bit about where this this rotation's been, and you see it in last night's game. Ranger Suarez, like I, I think it's time to talk about where Ranger Suarez is at overall now. Yeah. Seven and third innings pitched last night. If Soto can can nail down those final two outs, Suarez is unblemished in this game. He has been absolutely sensational his last six times out. He's been incredible in the month of June. Uh, talking about historic month here. Like this is like Cliff Lee 2011 type stuff that we're seeing right now. We are, are we looking at a really solid number three? That's just having a hell of a month. Are we talking about a guy here that when it comes playoff time, you start to talk about him and say, man, like he's, he's like a game one game two guy. And I know in this, like this comes with the qualifier that the Phillies are the Phillies and Zach Wheeler is one. And if he pitches like Zach Wheeler pitches moving forward, he's one. Aaron Nola has that body of work. He's number two. And Ranger Suarez is number three. But I guess what I'm really asking you is, like, is there more upside to Ranger Suarez's game than, than maybe anyone initially thought here? Well, let's look at it this way, Bob. I, I, and this is, this, is, this is a track record now that he's got. And it's not just five games. This is a legit track record. Since 2021. He's thrown 312 in a third innings. He's got a 2.80 ERA. Mm. Okay. He's only given up 268 hits. That's 7.7 hits per nine. His walks are a little high, but that's over three seasons. That's a, that's a, that's a top end of the rotation pitcher. There's no question about it. We're not talking about just, five, like I said, five games. This is 312 innings over three seasons. The guy's giving you a 2.80 ERA and 7.7 hits per nine innings and striking out 8.2, which is not, you know, it's not top of the of the chain. I mean, those guys are usually starters are usually in the tens, but 8.2 strikeouts per nine is still pretty darn good. It's a good he's a good pitcher. He's a really good ERA plus in those three years. 146. That's really, really good. You know, yeah, I think I think you're starting to think, look at Ranger Suarez and say, is Ranger Suarez in the top 25 pitchers in the game? I think he's starting to creep into that conversation. Okay, is he one of the top 25 pitchers in the game? I'm not going to make you go down the list here, but just if right right now, I mean, this season he is in my mind. I mean, easily, and I would even go a little probably higher than that list on that list for for 2023. I think if you're going overall body of work, I think he's probably right. He's close. I think it's a good question. I think he's probably right around that 25 mark. Okay, let me ask you this as a follow-up then. Yeah. Do the Phillies have three of the top 25 pitchers, starting pitchers in baseball right now? They do. Okay. And and I'll tell you what, if Taiwan Walker keeps pitching the way he's been pitching. He's knocking on the door. He's knocking on the door too. Yeah. I, I mean, so you look at, uh, again, really and I, I don't want to be like this, this – cheerleader waving pom-poms for Fangrass, but you go into Fangrass war and Zach Wheeler top. I believe he's number three right now. Uh, all qualified starting pitchers. Aaron Nola's 20th, I believe. Um, and then Ranger Suarez is not qualified, but I would imagine if, if there were some more innings there, he would be within that top 25 range at this point. In fact, I know he would be. Yeah. So that all kind of begs the question. I don't want to get too far removed here, but you start looking at the numbers and you go, okay, like anybody can take the ball for five starts and, and have a nice little stretch. But you look up and you see in the month of June, he has a 108 ERA. You see opponents are hitting 200 against them. You see the whip is under one. I tweeted out after, after last night's game, his last six games, he's thrown 40 innings, 29 hits, six earned runs, 
10 walks, 37 strikeouts. He has a one, three, five ERA. Like, I think the reason why I ask this is because you know, my focus, you know, the way that I'm watching this, I, I can watch a game and say, okay, this is what I saw. This is what I liked. This is what I didn't like, but it all comes back to, can you win a championship? Like, can the Phillies win a championship in the next year, two years? Can they do it this season? That's what this is about to me. It's not about the build anymore. It's not about, can they get back? It's not about, can they, can they be competitive? Can they make the wild card? Can, it's about, can they win a championship? Mm-hmm. And so, I'll ask what I just asked in a different way. Can Zach Wheeler, Aaron Nola, and Ranger Suarez as a one, two, three, knowing that Taiwan Walker, at least what we've seen here for the last six weeks, as a a four, is that enough to win a World Series this year? Can you win a World Series with these four guys, or do you need another premium elite dude that can throw 98 miles an hour and blow your doors off? No, you can win with these four. The lineup lineup has to hit, but this is – if if you're if you're going to sit there, Bob, and tell me that the lineup is going to be what we expect it to be, you can win with these four guys. Yes, I, I don't have a doubt about it. I mean, think about it. If you're going to play a seven game series, the first three guys are going to pitch t- twice each, and Walker is going to pitch once. So you really, you know, you're getting. I mean, they were almost there last year, right? I mean, they were in the World Series with three of these four guys last year, pitching really well for most of it. I mean, yeah, Nola kind of petered out in the world series, but, but yeah, I mean, this is, they were two games away from a championship with three of these four guys. So now you add in Walker and if he's pitching that well, can they win the world series with this foursome? A hundred percent, hundred percent. They can. I kind of want to look forward here. It's, it's amazing. The Phillies are having this great month of, of June and it's almost like 16 wins, by the way, 16 wins and, and probably in line. And I don't, I don't want to jinx it here, but probably in line for at least one or two more before things close out. Um, part of the reason I I get on the show this morning and I say, well, you know, I just kind of feel a little bit underwhelmed and a lot of it does have to do with that offense. But I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that you look up at the standings and you just feel like they're they're actually treading water. Like, this is what the Phillies have done all year. It's like win four, lose four, and they're treading water. Well, now they're they're having a 16-win month of June, and they're treading water. Because you look up at what Miami has done this month. What it, I mean, Atlanta has gained on the Phillies this month. It's, mm-hmm. it's, it's crazy. Like, the Phillies are 10 and a half games out of the National League East right now. They're not winning the division. We know that. We've talked about that. That's been pretty well established here. But you would just like to see – the, the result of this play help you position yourself a little bit better. And I mean, you even get into the wild card and it's just, it's absolutely insane right now. I mean, the, the wild card, Miami, they're th- 46 and 34, the 12 games over 500. They've been awesome. Their pitching has been unbelievable. The, the giants say what you will about the giants, but they're 11 games over 500. They're eight and two in their last 10 games. Yeah, you got the Dodgers, right. and I know Dodgers have been the one team that's sort of been leaking a little bit of oil. They're 10 games over. The Phillies, for everything that the Phillies have done, four games over 500, three, four weeks ago, if you would have said the Phillies are four games over 500 on June 28th, I would have said, well, they would be holding one of the three wild card spots. And not only are they not, they're three games out. So they're, what, 16 and seven so far this month, right? At the beginning of the month, they were eight. They were six games under five hundred. Yeah, they were eight games out in the division, and they're now ten and a half. Okay, yeah. and if you go back to um, uh, looking where they were um, in the in the wild card race at that on that same date, um, they were. I mean, just to double check. The Phillies were three and a half games out of a wild card spot. They were three and a half. Earth. They were three yeah, and a half. That's six right? under. And now they're, they're four three over and they're three out. They've picked up a half game in the wild card and lost two and a half games in the division, in the division. while winning 16 games this month. It's, it's 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 unreal. It's really like I I don't understand how it's like physically possible that this happened, but it did. It did. It legitimately happened. Um yeah, I mean, yeah, it does feel like they're treading water a little bit. I mean, they are by, by definition. They are treading water. Yeah, <laughs> they made an incremental, an incremental move forward, at least in the wild card, in terms of getting into the playoffs. So, this is where I want to go with this today because we know we're on a quick turnaround. We're not on our normal Monday Friday schedule. There's going to be 
there's going to be more Cub series to talk about, some some national series preview, I guess. So I think we're probably actually finally once are in line for a shorter episode today. But this is what I want to ask you. Is it time to kind of reimagine what the National League actually is? Because if you go back six weeks ago, we're talking and we're saying, well, the Phillies are going to get in because the National League sucks. I don't know if the Phillies are any good, but we know that the NL isn't very good. There's not a lot of depth there. So I just want to go through this one by one. Atlanta, I don't even think we need to engage in a real conversation. They're going to win the National League East. They're they're going to be the top seed in the NL. They are, as we talk right now, 25 games over 500. They have 114. They're plus 114 in run differential. They are incredible. Like, that is a machine, that team. So we know they're in. We know they're one. After that, walk me through the way that you see the National League. I, I get, but the West is weird. Um, I, I think that I, I don't. I can't imagine that the Dodgers are going to s- just sit back, right? I think that they're going to be a team that is aggressive at the deadline to get what the what they feel that they need to get better. I still think they're the best of the three teams collectively in the National League West. So I, I don't say this with a lot of confidence but I do still think they win that division. Okay. Um, can I, can I just interject here real quick? Yeah, go ahead. National league West right now. Odds to win the West Dodgers minus minus one forty. diamondbacks plus three ten, giants plus three forty, And a, about a week and a half ago, the Padres were still one of the, like the top contenders to win the national league. The Padres are plus 1800 right now to win the NL West. Yeah. So odds makers see the Dodgers as the favorite. I think I can go for that. They are, as we talk right now, three games behind the Diamondbacks. Arizona, they keep waiting for that collapse. Phillies take three out of four, and they're six and four in their last 10 games. Like, they just kind of continue to to do it. Yeah, I mean, I I haven't really dived into their schedule, what's coming up for them. Like I, I look at I look at teams. I'm I'm just gonna pull it up real quick just to see what to see if there's anything that just really jumps out at me about what's coming up. I mean, they, you know, look, they, they beat the give them credit. They beat the Tampa Bay Rays last night, um, but they're in the middle of a of a series, you know, where they've got three against the Rays, three against the Angels, who are playing pretty good baseball. Um, but then they play the Mets and Pirates at home before the All Star break. So, but then here here's here's where you know coming out of the All Star break, Arizona wrote entire. This is a nine game road trip Toronto Atlanta Cincinnati yeah that'll I mean, probably that, that can tell you for them, that can yeah. tell you a lot about them okay I still I mean they're good I still think that they're probably a playoff team um but I, I still don't think that they're as good as the Dodgers the Giants I, I I don't know how they're winning I think they're a smoke and mirrors team because I look at that I just look at the team and I look at the the numbers I'm like how does this team continue to win like it just doesn't it's it's fascinating to me that they're winning right now um again you look at it you know they're they're another team that you know they what's going on with toronto they're another team they're beating they shut out toronto last night um you know they got an an easier schedule coming up possible let me just let me interrupt you here i mean i look at it plus 48 run differential they're 23 and 16 against teams over 500 this season yeah they're they have a winning record there are only a handful of teams in baseball that that have this going on right now they have a winning record both home and away the plus 48 run differential and you look at the team and you're not overly impressed with the roster is it is it possible that the coaching staff in san francisco is, is doing a good go. job and i'm not trying yeah. to i know like and in the past i've tried to be cute about this but <laughs> Is, is it just possible that that's a really well-run organization and they are maximizing everything that they have and that you have to actually give some credit you gotta to give Kepler and his staff? You got to give them credit for maximizing what they have. But I've just looked at their, I just looked ahead and I see, I see where it's going to be. And you know, the, the, their Waterloo is going to come in August. Okay. They, they starting July 31st. This is, I just want to run this through. It's a okay. month from now though, because so what you're telling yeah. me, and I know there's an all-star break, but they're going to have enough. If, if the month of July is easy for them. It's not you, that it's, you, it's, not, you, it's not that it's easy. It's, but it's easier. But, but Anthony, listen, here's the, here's the difference. If, if it's not, if it's not that difficult and they're already 11 games over and let's say they, they have a above 500 month of July, you know how this works. You start to believe, you start to feel yourself. You have an ownership that's committed to winning. They could make moves like, 
you can position yourself to if, if you're a fraud and you can fake it until you make it long enough, then all of a sudden. Yeah, no, you're right. You're right. But they're, they're also I mean, they're not playing a lot of difficult opponents, but they do have 17 of 23 on the road between today and okay. and, and towards the end of July. OK, that's real. I mean, that's that's you know, it's it's not it's not an easy road for a West Coast team. Most of those games are on the East Coast, too. They're coming to Eastern time zone for for just all these games. So you know, so do you you commit like you're committing to NL West teams to making the playoffs this season? Yeah, I think that's fair. OK, and yeah. you're you're committing the Braves as as. Yeah, I so so what I think I honestly, if you're gonna you want to say what's it gonna come down to? It's gonna come down to the wild card team. The wild card race in my mind is gonna be Arizona, San Francisco, the Phillies, and the Marlins. And three of those four teams are gonna get in. Mm -hmm. That's what it's gonna be. Do you believe in the Reds now? The well, division leading Reds who have won seven of their last ten. Yeah, I think they got it. I think they were on a. Uh, they had that great run, great hot streak. I, I, I'm not convinced that they're the best team in that division. I, I still, well, Milwaukee. I don't know what I don't like Milwaukee. Either. I think the Cubs might actually be the best. You look at the Cubs starting rotation, and you're like, well, yeah. you know, Stroman's been good. I love yeah. Steele. I, I think yeah. he's, he's really good. Yeah. Um. I mean, if if. If they have one more, like if they didn't have Tyon or whatever the hell is, yeah. name, if if they if he was not just avoid in the middle of that rotation, if he was what Tywan Walker's been, Cubs Cubs would be winning the the Central right now by probably three or four games. Yeah, yeah, no, you're right, you're right. Um, but here's why I wanted to point out the Giants and and then of course the Marlins. I want to look at their their Augusts. Okay, so Giants starting July 31st, and there is one uh series in here that it's like okay well that's an easy one but other than that they go four against arizona then they go three against oakland but then it goes three against the angels three against texas three against tampa three against atlanta three against the phillies three more against atlanta three against cincinnati and then three four against san diego i guess that, to end the month that's a that's a gauntlet and that's right. that's going to be that's when it's, we're going to know who the giants are right if they're if they're a good enough team and they can you know work their way through it, then credit will be given in August to the Giants. Um, the Marlins have a very similar kind of uh, schedule ahead for them. Um, again, it's it's more August than it is July. Again, a lot of uh, a, a lot of games in July, maybe they can build themselves a pad themselves a lead. Okay, fine. But start again, starting July thirty first. Four against the Phillies, three against Texas, three against Cincinnati, three against the Yankees, three against Houston, three against the Dodgers, uh, and then there's also some more against Tampa, and then there's San Diego's in there as well. That that's a that's their gauntlet, that's their Waterloo. So I I look at those two teams and say they're going to hang around, they're going to be part of this conversation uh, through July, but August will be the telltale for them. Whereas I think a team like the Phillies has a much easier August against a, a lot of weaker teams. And I think that that's where you might see some separation between the Phillies and then the Marlins and the Giants. Marlins and Giants might be the two teams battling for that last wild card. And I think that yeah. that's probably probably it. But I think you're looking at Phillies and Diamondbacks. I'll predict that from now. That's your 4-5 in some capacity. I think Phillies D-backs is your, yeah. is your NL wild card. Yeah, I mean, the front half of August for the Phillies is is where they probably can... I mean, you're going to have to beat the Marlins to start the month in Miami, but then you have... Uh, a homestand that consists of the Royals nationals for four and then uh, the twins all at home. And they're very, they're average at best as well. Yeah. I mean, that, that 10 games right there at home is, yeah. is probably where, and that's coming off the deadline. So you should have a little juice. I assume the team will do something. You get into that position by the middle of August, but I, I think it's interesting that we're having this conversation about the giants, about the Marlins uh, diamondbacks have been part of the picture here for a while. Now the reds, if nothing else, by jumping into this division picture, have made the Brewers relevant in the wild card. So now the Central is like a, a two a two team player, you know, in terms of a division winner and potentially a wild card team. I know you don't believe in that, but there's another team added into the mix here, and I think it just kind of illustrates the point that this is a little bit more of a crowded field at this point in the race, if if you want to call it that, than maybe we would have seen coming. I think we thought all along that you know there were. I'd say seven teams in the national league for six spots. And right now there's more than that. There's 
nine teams, maybe yeah. even fringe ten. Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna turn the question back to you. Let's look at it, you don't have to go team by team, but look at every team that we're talking about in the playoff race, including the good teams, including the Braves, Dodgers, whatever. Does any of them have a pitching staff as good as the Phillies? Um, I mean, Atlanta at full strength when everything shakes out. Like, I like Atlanta's staff a lot. Right. I, I don't mean to slobber all over the Braves like they're no. The, but if they're if they're healthy, I mean, they got a bunch. Of, they got a bunch of guys hurt, right? So they're yeah. they're kind of muddling through right now, and you don't know what the you know guys <laughs> muddling through, and they've won well, nine of their last. 10 well, that's games. the thing. Their their offense is just so good, but they they don't have great pitching. They just no, have, they uh, have okay pitching. I, I understand. Uh, so yeah, I'm just looking at division leaders right now. I mean, the Phillies have clearly a better staff than Arizona and Cincinnati. Uh, they have a better staff, much deeper staff than San Francisco, uh, Los Angeles. I, all the respect in the world uh, to, to Clayton Kershaw, and I like, I love Miller. And, yeah. and you know, uh, Urias is, yeah, a good pitcher. One, two, three. If those guys are all firing, I'd be a little bit nervous about LA. Yeah. Um, Miami. I'll tell you what, man. There's so much talent there, and their their best, most established guy is having a nightmare season. Yeah. And if he can become himself, I, I would actually say, like, now I know that there's, there's, I, I think there's some innings limitations down the line there with them. And, but yeah, I mean, to your point, Phillies probably have the second best staff. Maybe the, maybe if everything's clicking the way it has this month, the best staff of all these teams. Right. And, and, and that's, and that's why to me, when it comes down to it, you can have as many teams as you want in the race. The team with the best pitching is going to always come out ahead. What if you get and, uh, what if you get a meet the hype Andrew Painter the last two months of the season? Uh, well, that too, right? I mean, <laughs> there's that too, right? We haven't we haven't even gotten in, gotten into that. Um, but like, yeah, you know, you mentioned the, the Marlins, and I, I look, I like all those guys that they have. I, I really do. I think that their pitchers are, are really they've always had good pitching. Um, and like you said, Alcantara is not having the year. Uh, Lazardo's been okay, you know. Braxton Garrett's been probably better than I think people thought, and uh, Yuri Perez has been lights out. But awesome. he's the he's the guy that's going to be on. You said is going to probably be on the innings watch yeah. a little bit. Uh, Cabrera's had a you know okay, but but he's been hurt too. So you know that's that's what you're looking at. I mean, I, I, there's there's not a tr other than Alcantara, there's not a real track record. Mm -hmm. Of like these guys are going to hold up over the course of an entire yeah. year. Yeah, that's fair, right? And so that's why that's the only reason I I, I pump the brakes a little bit. I do like I do like what the, where they're going with that pitching staff. I just am not convinced. Talk about a guy. You want to talk about a guy who's done a real nice job, Skip Schumacher, as the manager of that Marlins team to have them twelve games over five hundred. Right? Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, aside from a rise who's flirting with four hundred. They, they, I think they have one other regular with an OPS over 800, and that's it. And that's, I think, Solaire. Yeah, that's it. I, I just looked it up. It's just Solaire is the only other regular with an with an OPS over 800. So again, I think that's a little bit smoke and mirrors. <laughs> but good, good on them. Good on the Marlins. And one other thing, I one other thing I want to do um, be, before we we kind of get closer to wrapping up here is we're talking about who's in. So then let's talk about who's out so we can kind of set a a, a trade deadline as it stands right now. Who's going to yeah. sell? Like, who's going to sell? Not even so much who's in position to buy, but who's going to sell at this point? So if you look in the National League, I just – we can agree that the, the Rockies are donezo for this year, right? 19 yes. games under, sure. Washington, not a contender. Yep. 17 games under, no shot. It gets a little bit more muddy. Now, I'll actually jump up the standings before I get to these next two teams. Pittsburgh is just – that was fun for two months. It's over, right? Would we agree with that? I mean, even yeah. in the NL Central, there's six games on there now. They, yeah. They're done. Yeah. Okay. Um, all right. Cubs, you think Cubs are in? Like, Cubs well, just – I think they're going to compete. They're not going to sell. Okay, okay they're yeah. not a seller. All right, so then that that's – where we kind of land in the middle here. So you have the Saint, the St. Louis Cardinals, who we we talked about this probably about a week and a half ago now. We said they're in a critical juncture of their season. If they have any chance to get back into this, it's got to be right now. I would not say that they've necessarily exploded and, and run themselves back into a race here, but they are 12 games under 500 right now. 
They are 11 games out uh, of a wild card spot. They have won six of their last 10 games. Are they selling? Yes. Okay. I, I, I think that, look, eight games back in the division, they probably hang around a little bit longer just to see if they mm-hmm. can if they can close that gap because the division isn't a great division. But first, you're not making up 11 games in a wild card. Okay. Because just just too many teams that are in too many divisions, a lot of teams would have to fail. I just don't see that as viable. The eight games in the division is it doable? Certainly, it's doable still, but I I don't know. That's a lot. I mean, does their pedigree? Does their pedigree? And and like I'll call it pedigree and arrogance. Like they, we're the Cardinals. We make the playoffs. They're not the Pirates. So do they kind of talk themselves into? being in this even if they're not i mean they are one weekend away from being five games out with three months to play right so it's not like it's some it wouldn't take a miracle for them to win the nl central so you know why i'm focusing on them yeah no everyone wants to talk about paul goldschmidt and for the ratings here let's talk about paul goldschmidt so that's the thing that so i was going to point out john mazalek their um, gm spoke about a week ago now maybe a little bit less than that um where he basically has has said that neither Goldschmidt nor Arenado were going to be moved, that they're not having a great season, but they still like their team, and they still feel like even if it's not to be their year in 2023, that it's a retool kind of situation and come right back at it in 2024 with, with a really good team. I think that the change that they'll make there won't be so much selling uh, other than maybe like some smaller pieces that may be, you know, pending free agents like a John Flaherty or, or Jack Flaherty rather. Um, but um, is the change that they'll make is that manager, uh, you know, I don't think Ollie yeah. Marmol is a really good manager. And I think, so I think that will be how St. Louis tries to retool and get ready for next year. I, I, I don't think that they contend. I think they probably fall out of it here over the course of the next two weeks. Um, and they will be a quote unquote seller, but not a major seller. Okay. Two two other teams I, I want to get to. So yeah. how do we look at the Padres? Because as I noted, uh, currently they have the eight best odds to win the National League. They're five games under 500. They are four and six in their last 10. Everyone kind of keeps waiting for this Padres team to make a move. They, they have so much top-end talent in that lineup. Uh, you know, you don't have to love their staff, but it's a decent staff. I mean, you look at runs allowed and it's – They've only allowed 313 runs this season. I believe, actually, that's the best in the National League. Um, They're not winning, though. Uh, Positive run differential. You just keep waiting and waiting and waiting for this team. But they're they're seven and a half games out of the wild card. They are, I believe, ten and a half games out of the division right now. What do the Padres do? I don't think that they're in a position where they can strip and sell. Do they just hope that eventually – talent takes over and this thing course corrects or like what happens here i think that they i think that they're just one of those stand pat teams this year i think they've done so much and look but the the one the one thing the one caveat is you know they have an ownership group and a general manager who's unafraid to do you know take big swings and maybe they take yet another big swing at the deadline who knows but I, i i don't know i i can't see it bob we're we just talked about the Dodgers, the Diamondbacks, and the Giants, and we say how they're all going to be in this thing, it's going to be really hard for the Padres to jump those jump those teams. And that's the thing. They're going to have to, they're going to, have to get past at least one, probably two of them, um, if they're going to be, make the playoffs this year. And they, you know, they have a real issue. They don't have a, they don't have a catcher. You know, I mean, Austin yeah. Nola has been yeah. terrible. They went out and got Gary Sanchez. He stinks. Mm-hmm. Um they have nothing there. Jake Cronenworth has fallen off the table this year, having a bad, bad year. Um, Xander Bogarts has been unimpressive. Manny Machado has been underwhelming, completely underwhelming this year. Um, Soto and Tatis are really what's carrying that offense. I mean, they have no center field. Trent Grisham stinks. They have no uh, you know, DH. They keep alternating between Matt Carpenter and Nelson Cruz, and neither one of them can hit. Um there's just too. I think there's too many holes there for them to overcome. Look, can Bogarts and Machado get hot and get going and 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 really kind of make that lineup be what we all thought it would be coming into the season? Sure, 
but I'm not certain that that even those two playing to their standard are going to be enough for the Padres. I just think it's a I think it's a bad year for them, um, and that they're they're going to be out of the mix. But I also don't think that they're a team that that sells a lot. I think that they're just another one of those like the Cardinals. They're a retool kind of team. This has all been a slow build to one last team that I want to get to. And you know <laughs> the team I want to talk about. So the New York Mets, uh, just an unbelievable loss on Sunday. We talk about sometimes the Phillies' lack of urgency with how they utilize their bullpen. Buck Showalter watched that team. I mean, you could see it from a mile away. Yeah. He knew what was going to happen. He didn't use his best relievers in a game that was probably about as must win, not just for the standings, but probably the overall feel of a season as you could possibly get. They lose on Sunday. They lose two out of three in a series that they should have won, if we're being honest, but they didn't. Then they come out and they lose the opener. To, to Milwaukee, and they finally bounced back last night. The Mets are 36-43. and 43. They're eight and a half games out of a wild card spot. They have absolutely no chance to win the NL East. Uh, they have a negative 14 run differential. We know the, what they are. We know they suck. Steve Cohen, uh, it's a, a shame because he's going to talk today, and we're yeah. recording before that. I have no idea what he's going to say. Um, what, what the hell are they going to do? I think I think he's going to come out and and basically say some shit today, <laughs> Bob. I do. I think I think he's had enough, and I think it's I think it's it's either he lights the fire for his team, or else there are, there's going to be changes. Okay. Um, the thing is, is, I'm not certain that they're going to get any any value for what they would you know the guys that they would move on from. Like like who in, who in this lineup are you really really? willing to move away from you're obviously not moving you know you're not trading alonzo you're not trading lindor you're not trading nimmo they're your three big guys right but McNeil, man if i could trade if i were the mets and i could trade lindor i i would yeah well, i would yeah but i mean the, the point is is that you know you're not moving that contract at this point you know right you're probably not trading jeff mcneil he's not having a jeff mcneil year but you're probably not trading him as well you're not trading alvarez he's your young catcher right young prospect catcher Brett Beatty hasn't been anything special, but again, he's 23. You're not moving him. So who are you moving? Mark Kana, Starling Marte, yeah. right? I mean, Tommy Pham, Tommy Pham right? I mean, yeah. like, what are you getting with the? It's not enough to. It's not yeah. enough to look at your team and say, "Hey, we're going to get better. We're going to get enough back where it's it's worth stripping this down." And then because they're in it again next year, like the the Mets aren't taking a step back for three years. Right. So what you have to do now here is say like, well, is there a chance that we can light a fire under this team's ass and they can get going and get back into it this year? Or do we trade off these fringe parts, get back some middling prospects and, and then sort of recalibrate for next season? I think it really comes from the pitching side of things is where they would probably have to look like you'd have to imagine David Robertson is a guy that, yep. that would possibly be put on the block. And I, I wonder if privately you went to to the pitchers and said, hey, Justin Verlander, you could get out of here. Max Scherzer, you could get out of here. Or if you, you look at it in your, your Epler, do you look at it and say, like, man, it would be great to trade one of these guys? Well, I'll tell, you, I'll tell you, Scherzer's pitched much better over the last five or six starts. I think he's, he's looked more like Max Scherzer. Um, and, and I think that he's a guy who's got, what, another – year plus an option i believe on his contract right that's a pitcher that could that could be moved i don't think you can move the verlander contract i don't know if anybody would take that contract yeah at, at, you know and you know in light of what he's looked like this year um so yeah maybe scherzer and then i think that they have a couple bullpen like you mentioned david robertson i think brooks Raley is an interesting guy left-handed reliever he's pretty solid out of the pen I think you could move him maybe, maybe an Ottavino. But that's, I mean, that's, again, I don't think that the Mets are, are, are a team that's going to get, I mean, these guys could be available, but what are you, what are you, you know, what are you getting for them? I don't, I don't know. I, I, yeah. I just think that I love the fact that the Mets are $340 million payroll plus the penalty for being over the, the, the tax um, line there. It, 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 and I look at it, Bob, and I say, and I don't have any, any information that can confirm this, but in just in my head, I'm trying to think of a team that had the highest payroll in their sport, in their sport. And was this underwhelming? This might be the biggest failure of all time. 
I mean, I, I know num- I know the numbers are always going to be bigger in the more recent years, but I, I would say just looking year by year in the sport yeah. to say who had the highest payroll and where did that team finish, this 2023 Mets team may end up being the biggest flop ever. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm full, fully with you, and I'm here for it. I'm, yeah. I'm here for the ride. All right. Well, you know, obviously a little bit of a different show here today, um, just kind of looking at more landscape of things. Uh, and I don't want to dive too much into the Phillies here and what they might do at the deadline. Like, I think we kind of know what they need. Yeah. But I'm, I'm more willing because this is a Phillies podcast. I kind of want to let this thing come into focus a little bit more before you you truly dive in and have that 30 minute conversation yeah about how to play this well i also think well, i also think because of the the oddity of us doing it this midweek as opposed to on monday we'll probably you know on the friday episode we'll let everybody know we'll probably have a lot more specifics to the phillies in that episode just because of where we are yeah it's kind of a weird spot midweek so I wanted to make this show as usable for, for three days as possible. You know what I mean? Right, like I, right. you're in the middle of a series like this and it's like, well, yeah. um, okay. Let's get to one last thing and then uh, bounce out of here. Yeah. So one last thing, this is going to be a fun one today, Bob, no gripes, no complaints, no anything like that. This is something fun. Okay. Have you seen immaculate grid yet? I have, I've been playing. Have yeah. you? I have. So for anybody who hasn't done it yet, Immac- go to immaculategrid.com. And this is Wordle for baseball nerds, is what this is. Um, and basically, what you what you have to do is it's a a nine block square, right? And you have to uh, it's like a Sudoku kind of square, and you got to find a player that fits into the criteria for each square. So, for example, today the the the, the squares are somebody who played for both the A's and the Orioles, somebody who played for both the A's and the Twins. Somebody on the A's who had 3,000 career hits. Somebody who played for the Padres and the Orioles. Somebody who played for the Padres and the Twins. Somebody on the Padres with 3,000 career hits. And then somebody with 500-plus career homers who played for the Orioles. Somebody with 500 home runs who played for the Twins. And somebody with 500 home runs plus 3,000 career hits. And you get nine guesses to fill in the nine squares. Obviously, you want to go nine for nine. And even if, but once you do, and the, this is what I like the best about this thing, Bob, if you go nine for nine, which I've done more often than I've missed, I have a few. All misses, right. Humble brag. No, 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 but no, but I mean, I, I think sometimes if you cover sport or you follow the sport, it's a little bit easier to fill in some of these blocks. Right. Um, but the fun thing that I try to do is when you get to those, get to the, get your answers right to find a player. This is what I, I challenge myself. They show you the percentage of people that have answered that player. Oh, man, you, you're going to do exactly. Uh, OK, actually, I have a rant about this. Not a rant, but so I try to go. I try to find I try to think of one that's going to be on the lower end to think that I came up with, a you know, a really cool answer as opposed to, oh, well, that's the easy answer. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So that's yeah. what that's I like doing. it. I think it's fun. I spend about 20 minutes a day on this thing and it's. It's a good little baseball thing. So why? why what were you going to say about it? What was your rant going to be? Well, it's not a rant, but like, okay. So people, first of all, I don't, <laughs> I just don't want to be careful. How I say this because I know people listening to the show are, are amongst these people, but like, I don't care about what, who you, I don't care about how you filled it out. And I'm not impressed that you had a more obscure player than the obvious answer. Just fill the fucking thing out. Well, yeah. Oh, I'm not sharing it, right? I'm not going out and like, oh, look, no, at, my, look at my grid. Well, it's okay. Okay. So that's fine. If you're keeping it to yourself and yeah, you're impressed for, with yourself, you give yourself a little chuckle. You say, I yeah. could have taken the layup. I could have taken the layup, but I did it the hard way. Yeah. And feel good about yourself. There's like a lot of people out there that are there like, look at how obscure my my immaculate grid yeah. is. And I could have been nine for nine and done it your way. Yeah. But I did it my way. Like, okay, yeah. like great. I, look, I cool. share I share my results with my two sons, and that's it. The three of us have like a little <laughs> thing and we do it every day. And we're that's like, oh, fine. Yeah. yeah. Okay, that's, that's all. Like I don't I don't put it out on social media or any of that stuff. All right. And they put and just so everybody knows, there's a new grid every day. It refreshes every day. So um, I think it's worth doing. I think it's fun to do and do it your own way, whatever. If you want to put the most obvious answer, put the most obvious answer. If you want to go, you know, keep trying to go nine for nine every day, go, go, go for it. I don't mind if I get one wrong. I just like getting the, the obscure ones. Did you, I, did you play today? 
No, I just read it. I just literally pulled it up. I haven't okay, played it yet today. Right. That was the one I just read off today where the you know the Orioles, Twins, A's, and Padres. Um, I do think though, just in just looking at it for the first time, you know, I do think that the the statistical ones are pieces of cake. I think those are the easiest ones. Yeah, um, and then, then you just have to think about the the guys who played for both teams. Um, and you'll be able to come up with those if you it's funny because I find There's that a former Philly in mine today, a, yeah. a legend. It's an obvious one too. Yeah, but, I'll, t- uh, I'll tell you, Bobby. You know what the funny thing is, is I find it easy myself finding it easier to think of older players who yeah. fit these who fit these when in essence there's more movement of players yeah. today. And I think, and I, then I go and I look at some of the responses, or something like, "Oh, wow! How did I not think of that guy? Or how did yeah. I not think of that?" I'm guy? actually bad at it, and I think that's probably why I'm salty <laughs> because I, I'm, I'm not as good at it as I should be. And like, I'll go back after I get like six out of nine, and I'm like, "That's pathetic!" Like, it, I'm angry at myself, and then I Google. I'm like, "How did I not think of this player?" Right? And what I do is like, I do like by. I'll come up with like a, an obscure guy because it's the only – sometimes I think of the obscure guy before I think of the obvious guy, <laughs> but then there's one that's just blatantly obvious and I get it wrong, and I'm like, dude, come on. So yeah. today, actually, I started playing, and I, I got the first six right, and then my my dog peed on the floor, and then that <laughs> disrupted me. So I have to get back to the last three spots. I, I have not done better than seven out of nine yet, and I'm, oh. I'm ashamed. I'm pathetic. It's, wow. it's pathetic. I should be better at this than I am, but – yeah. Like, I just I have. Seven, I think seven is my lowest score. Yeah, I'm sure it so is. Far. I mean, because if you're a baseball person, you should you should get seven out of nine. And I guess maybe yeah. I'm just a total fraud. I, I don't know. Whatever. <laughs> well, I, I you know I don't I don't know. Maybe you rush. Do you rush it? Like, do you just try and do it real fast? I do. I'm like, well, I this is my five minutes to play. Let me see if I can yeah. figure it out. Like, I'm not coming back after seven hours. But yeah, I mean, I you know I try not to rush it. I will actually sit there and. and and ponder a couple of them like i'm looking at it like i I, just looking at this right now there's i'm sure there's an obvious answer and someone's listening to go how do you not know this right off the top of your head but i have a a twins padres crossover here and i'm like "Eh, i don't have a i don't have a a slam dunk that i've been able to fill in on that one yet so we'll we'll see i do have a slam dunk yeah i mean i'm sure you do because it's obvious and this is why i'm I'm terrible at this because (laughs) 90 percent of our audience right now is listening to me going like are you are you kidding me you host a baseball podcast and you don't know who play for the twins and padres yeah. <laughs> it'll come to me i'm taking i'm slow playing it today when i'm you, you know doing my midday bathroom break maybe i'll have an epiphany <laughs> got me all fired up about, this is the most fired up thing i've been like with one last thing all year this is the thing i've been most upset about <laughs> Usually, I'm the one who's the old guy yelling. Yeah, at the well, I, I actually <laughs> thought you were going to ask me about Mickey Moniac. I thought that Mickey Moniac, after his five for five on Saturday night, was going to be our one last <laughs> thing today. Let me ask you one last thing, Anthony. Is Mickey Moniac a budding superstar with the Los Angeles no. Angels now? No, no, no. I know his. Did you know that he has eight at bats against left-handed pitching this season. Is that it? I didn't even yeah, look it eight. up. Eight. Go for eight. And everyone's yeah. like, oh, you guys, Mickey Mantle all of a sudden. And yeah, I, no. I feel like a hater, too. But, like, th- I see some, like, Phillies fans. Like, actually, one Philly radio guy, uh, not not Fritz, not, like, a why not Mick guy, took this, like, weird victory lap about Mickey Moniak on Sunday morning. And I'm like, dude, like, he's, he's having a nice year. And, like, credit to him. I'm glad that he's not fa- – like, I'm not rooting against the guy by any means. I, like – be successful that's great but like he's hitting 320 he's only facing he's only facing righties he's played like i don't even know less than 60 games like let's just hold on hold on yeah it's it's i think it's a it's a he's had a nice little run um I'm but impressed. Let's, like i am impressed i, I really but, am but keep in but, mind like the, the five for five game i think he jumped his batting average 50 points yeah in one did. game so let's Let's pump the brakes. Yeah, just, he's a, just, hitting, just a hair. He's hitting 317 and 101 at bats, 93 of which have come against right-handed pitching, which is good. Like, there's nothing wrong with being a solid platoon option. He's He's been hitting leadoff for them some. The Angels are having a nice year. He's been a big part of it. Like, that's this is all good. Um, not yeah. not rooting against him to- by any by any stretch, but, like, these so- – what it is for me is like these people that are like, see, I told you Moniac was good. Like, dude, come on, man. Like, 
break yeah, let, let's this. keep let's 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 here's one other thing to put in the in the perspective with this okay uh first of all two for 12 since his five for five game and prior to the five for five game he was he was in an over um so mm-hmm. let, let's just you know pump the brakes a little bit but here's the here's the thing 106 plate appearances 33 strikeouts three walks wow <laughs> okay so let's hold let's hold all the mickey moniac excitement for a minute okay? i mean hey like I said, best of luck to him and uh i'm glad that he's he's having a, a season that i think will keep him in the league you know what i mean like what yeah. he's done here is, is he's he's made sure that he's going to have a job for a few years, if, if nothing else. And I'm not trying to sell him short. I mean, maybe he becomes like a really consistent and valuable uh, left-handed option, or whether it be a starter or fourth outfielder, that's that's good stuff and all. But, I mean, I just saw – I woke up Sunday, and there were like four different tweets, and I know that these things shouldn't impact my psyche the way that they do, but like these people that were just like, I told you, I told you so. I'm like, oh, my God. Like, just let's, let's relax here a little bit. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, I, I I know. Listen, Phillies are playing well right now. Things are good in life. Anniversary today, Anthony. All all good in, in my world. But I, I got yeah. a little I got a little saltiness about me today. I don't know why. <laughs> it's because you didn't complete your immaculate grid. Yeah, That's what. You <laughs> <laughs> haven't gotten a nine for nine. I'm gonna yet. be right until I complete the immaculate grid. Damn it. <laughs> So, all right well anyway. it's time to wrap it up here uh you can follow the show at up phillies you can follow anthony at ansan philly you should follow anthony on twitter <laughs> if you are not because not only is he a good phillies reporter and writer but man he's cooking with the flyers right now you can follow me at bob wankel cb if you uh want to look at some stats that don't really matter uh make sure that you're listening to us on youtube uh, watching us on YouTube, I should say, uh, listening on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, anywhere else you get your shows. We will be back on Friday morning after this Cubs series and ahead of a weekend set with the Nationals, uh, and we will talk to you soon.